0: welcome back to our street lynn fisher with kurt elder here as always kurt, how are you doing well, uh, well it's, a, it's a beautiful day and i'm looking forward to a really good conversation with our guests tonight. all right well our guests today are kathy ermacher and she is the uh, chair of the commission on women and gender and lindy christensen nader who is the chair of a survey committee and one of the commissioners on the commission on women and gender and so welcome to uh till the show both of you thank you let's start off as we always do for our listeners uh kathy uh give us a little bio a little background for our listeners if you would please
1: well i've been involved with the commission the women's commissions here in lincoln and lancaster county for a good many years i I was an educator i am an educator and um, i came to be involved in the women's commission when bonnie coffee was the executive director of the women's commission and then when bonnie uh, left and the commission was defunded then we went ahead and did uh, an advisory commission for the city and now that continues we are now by statute, we are, um, and by ordinance, we are an actual commission with the city of Lincoln. And uh, the term now is the Commission on Women and Gender. We've expanded the commission and really seek to do what we can to promote, educate, advocate, and um, try to do the best we can for women and um, those who consider themselves women in our community.
0: All right, Lindy, if you could give us a a background, please.
2: Yes, Um, so I became involved with the commission in 2012 when I was a graduate student. Um, The commission was seeking some research assistant for assistance for their survey that they were restarting after being defunded in 2007. So I started as a research intern, and then soon became um, applied and became a commissioner. And so since then, my, uh, my primary role on the commission has been um, as chair of the survey committee, among other things. I'm a sociology instructor at Southeast Community College. And so like Kathy, I'm, I'm an educator. And that really resonates with one of the goals of the commission, which is education and outreach.
3: And so I suppose this would be a really good time just to uh, get into this uh, broader question of um, what is the commission, and can you tell us a little? Uh, can you tell us a little more about the commission, and how long it's been around, and, and what is some of the work and focus of that uh, of that body? Well, can like I said,
1: work? yeah, like I said before, um, <clears throat> at one point the commission was uh, funded by both the city and the county and there was an executive director a little um, some staff and um, the commissioners have always been volunteer and after 2007 we became an advisory to the city and we did not receive any funding from the city um so we didn't have an executive director or staff but what happened is a bunch of really dedicated and uh, dynamic people stepped up and said we need to continue these efforts and so Mayor Beitler made a commission that was an advisory to the mayor. And then eventually in 2020, we were able to have the city council pass an ordinance to make us a commission, just like the human rights commission or any other commission. So we are a commission for women and gender. We are 17 right now, we have 17 volunteers and we are very, involved in the community and trying to like we said do a lot of education advocacy and outreach to women and FOM in our community
2: as a commission our hope is that we are kind of this liaison between people in the community expressing needs related to gender um, but that also we are um, able to provide um, advocacy to our legislative and to our uh, political groups um, within the city and within the county. So uh, some of our actions are to promote civic engagement um, by encouraging people to do voter registration or to make connections to political leaders. Um, but one of the things that we've really been working on that kind of bridges the survey to the broader civic engagement work that we do is that we will take some of the information that we have from the survey and use that to speak at the city council or to write letters to um, legislative committees about um, women in the Lincoln community are expressing this about their position or we're advocating for a particular um, particular process within um, within this piece of legislation. So. It, it's, there, there is a slight political component to what we do in that we take information from the survey to advocate and uh, to promote uh, particular policies that would be most beneficial um, to uh, people in the Lincoln community.
1: Right. And we do go out to lots of different groups. Our, our objective is to reach as many different women as we can to learn of their concerns and challenges. And that's why when we do the survey, it's called the Women's Voices Survey because we feel that we need to be um, the voice for women who are really seeking to be heard in our community. And the best way that we can do that is we go to fairs and festivals, we go to groups, we talk to women about what their concerns are but then this survey was a way to really quantify things that we are finding and that we are hearing. So as women are s- expressing their concerns, their challenges, we are able to put that together and then to share that data with others. So we've made the survey a very broad survey, but it also really touches on areas within the lives of women and fam in our community so that they have an opportunity to share in a very more public and scientific if you want to way their concerns and challenges so that's one of the reasons that we're very excited to be on the program is to be able to share some information that we have so far on our survey but to really encourage the listeners to take the survey if they have not and the only The only um, requirement is that you have to be 19 years old or older, because in the state, that's what you have to be, 19. So 19 years or older, all women, doesn't matter. You can be, um, we're, we're trying to reach every single group, okay? Um, and every single age and life circumstance. So we really would encourage your listeners to go to our website, which is www.lincolnwomen.org. The very first thing that comes up is a link to the survey. It takes a couple of minutes to do it. The first part has some demographic information. And then after that, it goes into these various areas asking about things like health and basic needs and transportation and housing. So we're, we have some information about that. If we'd like to talk about that for a little bit, kind of what are some of the things we've found so far? How
3: were your questions selected? I would assume that you know from your fairs and whatnot that you've been to and through the conversations you had within your own meetings that these questions were formed, but could you talk a little bit more about how those questions were really constructed? Then in the second half, I really want to dwell into what are the outcomes, and how have, how have those changed from the last time you were on our program? Yes,
2: yeah, so um, when the when the commission was previously funded, they used to do surveys um, uh, with support from uh, city and county resources. And so when I came on board in 2012, we looked at the, the surveys that had been done. I think the last time it had been done was 2005. Kathy, is that right? Before we started again in 2012, I think? Or I think so. Yeah. So we we looked at the kinds of demographic characteristics that were asked about and um, a little bit about the different categories of concerns and experiences that people were having. And each iteration that we've done since 2012, we did 2012, 2017. Now we're here again doing uh, 2023. And we we really lean into the expertise of the commissioners themselves so um as a group we we look at the questions and we say is there anything that's missing here are our demographic categories um in regards to race ethnicity gender identity sexual orientation like are we are we capturing people's lived experiences and how they're identifying in our demographic categories in our Um, questions about concerns we um, we've added in for example um, for basic needs we've added in questions about um, cost and access to clothing um, in the category about employment we've asked people um, we've added a category about uh, challenges related to a criminal justice record or something like that so we we go through a kind of thematic analysis with members of the Commission to see do we think we're leaving anything out Um, and we also look back at the past surveys to see if there's something we often leave broad categories like other please describe other experiences that you might have and so we look at those to see okay what are other things that we need to be adding in to these broader categories to make sure that we aren't not avoiding but that we aren't seeing what needs to be asked or what kinds of experiences need to be honored and initially um, we uh, the, the surveys prior to 2012 were primarily paper copies and that brought in, you know, different kinds of challenges in their own way. But in 2012, we were able to start working with the Bureau of Sociological Research at the university in order to have an online platform. And so now I would say um, most of our surveys are completed online, but we do still bring paper copies with us when we go to um, Like Kathy said, different uh, cultural organizations, or if we go to different festivals, um, if we meet with aging partners, or if we go to Center for People in Need, we do have paper copies available. Um, But uh, really, um, a lot of our surveys are coming from online completion. And what's really nice about the, uh, about Bowser hosting our survey is that people are able to complete them on their uh, smartphones and on tablets.
1: We've tried to to maintain some. The basic core of the survey is the same, and our our intention was to then be able to compare apples to apples. So as we look back on the surveys of the past, we're trying to see how things have changed. You know what what things have changed for women and femmes in our community. But like Lindy said, we as times change, we also need to add things that are appropriate and reflect the community in which we live right now. So it's a balancing act, but we feel like we're trying to do the best job that we can in gathering this information.
3: Lynn, I know we're early for our mid-break, but would you we take a earlier break so we can just have a a good long discussion about the survey results and just give us a a good chance to have a conversation there? Would you be okay with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So for our listeners, uh, hang in there. We'll be back in a couple of minutes and continue this really interesting conversation. to our street kurt elder and lynn fisher here having a conversation today with kathy ermacher who's the chair of the commission the lincoln commission on uh, women and gender and one of the commissioners lindy christensen um, nader who's uh, the one who kind of puts the survey together that we've been talking about is that right lindy yes very good so kurt bring us back
3: in yeah sure so during the break, uh, we wanted to make sure that our listeners knew how to take the survey. So we'll start with that. If they wanted to be involved in the survey, how?
1: If you, um, if anyone who is listening has not taken the survey, we would really, really encourage you. And again, it's women and femmes in our community who are 19 years of age or older, um, and really the best way to do it is to go to www.lincolnwomen.org. So it's Lincoln, L-I-N-C-O-L-N-W-O-M-E-N spelled out dot O-R-G. And the very first thing that comes up is a link to the survey. And you can just take that right there. It's super easy. But I think that we'll ask Lindy to talk a little bit about what we found out so far in the accumulation of our information um and then kind of what we are hoping to do with it we'll talk about that later on
2: one of the things that we do is look to the census to see the the profile that we have does it look similar to what the census data is telling us and that's one of the things that has been really gratifying is that we don't have a lot of financial resources to dedicate to do like um, probability sampling and that kind of stuff. Like we rely really heavily on convenience sampling and through the networks that we have with local organizations and um, with other um, community service organizations as well. And one of the things that has been um, really positive about the demographic profile that we've seen is that our age categories look really similar to the to the census data. Our racial ethnic breakdown is is very similar to the racial ethnic breakdown of Lancaster County. Um, so we do feel that even though our sample is, you know, you know, it is based on convenience sampling, that our respondents do appear to be a pretty good representation of the community. One of the things that might be um, that we might run into a little trouble with is that our survey is a little bit more highly educated and a little little more likely to be employed full time than what the census data is telling us. And that is likely just um, a reflection of the networks that we have access to in terms of who's taking the survey. However, the age, the socioeconomic status and the race ethnicity comparisons to the census look really nice um, uh, from our comparisons. So one of the things that we'll do as we get to the end of our data collection is do some of these snapshots where we'll look at, okay, so for the age range of women from ages 19 to 29, what are they saying about their experiences, their concerns, women who are 30 to 39, what are they saying? So we will do... summaries that are based on age categories based on race ethnicity um and and further demographic uh, categories as well just so that we can also provide that information to organizations like aging partners for example they're going to want to know about women who are in those um those later decades in life what are they saying how is that different from what we're hearing from women who are in their 20s versus women who are in their 60s or above so that's something that is um a really big benefit Um, of the analysis that we'll do once we're, once we're finished, finished with data collection. One of the, um, so that's kind of the first part of our survey is really focused on those demographic characteristics. The second part of our survey, we ask women to share with us what are some of the concerns or the issues that they're experiencing um, in their daily lives. And we have a series of 12 broad categories that we ask them to kind of rank, or at least to identify like the top five, like what are the, you know, the top five that are um, things that you are either facing as challenges or that are just, you know, these key essential components of your life. And then within those categories, we ask them to identify um, which of these are they struggling with in particular. So for example, um, a consistent top issue from 2012 till now has been health within health. The top issue has been cost of services and access. And so that's something that we've seen people describe heavily within health is that um, the ability to afford insurance, to afford uh, co-pays, deductibles, et cetera, et cetera, is really difficult. But also the ability to just schedule appointments for yourself and the members of your family is something that's a primary concern um, for women in, uh, in the Lincoln community within basic needs. We asked them about um, what are the the economic challenges that people are experiencing. Cost of utilities and cost of food has been really high, um, higher than in the 2017 uh, survey collection. And that's not necessarily surprising given what we've seen with inflation and with supply chain issues throughout the pandemic um, in terms of access to food. But that's something that has been, um, been a challenge within basic needs. Something that has come up in this 2023 iteration that we didn't really see in 2012 or in 2017 was under the category of family. Um, Household labor, that's something that has been really common within the category of family, but an area that has spiked under family is conflict with extended family members. And so that's something that, you know, there's not necessarily like a political uh, means that we could, you know, encouraged for something like that but it's something that might inform um, one of the women's health programs that we do about family relationships and uh, maintaining communication and things like that so that's an example of how we would take something that we have from the survey conflict with extended family members and we would bring it into one of the programming that we do uh, the women's health programs that we do with the um, Kathy, is it with the city or with the county that we do? It's
1: it's LNK Health. It's the health channel that uh, the city Mm -hmm. and Lancaster County Health Department runs.
0: We do a half
1: hour segments on that a lot. Mm -hmm. And the other, one of the other um, categories that we have really see spike is transportation concerns. And so therein is something that we will go to the city and the county and talk with them about. We are finding not only in the aging group, the elderly group has real serious concerns about transportation. Those who are no longer able to drive, how do they get to places? Um, But also we're finding with this influx of new americans new lincolnites who come in a lot of our immigrants and refugees people who don't have a driver's license who don't have a car the stresses of trying to be able to get services and also to get to a job when there's not good transportation or mass transit in lincoln has really popped up in this survey so that that is something that we will be You know what are we gonna to do to help these people be able to access the things they need as far as the job and stuff like that if they have transportation concerns. Another issue of course right now is reproductive rights. We are seeing consistent concern on the part of women and all ages of women, all walks of life on reproductive freedom the ability to um, get health care in reproductive uh, health areas. So that is another spike that we've seen in this particular survey.
3: Can I ask a follow-up question just, just yeah. briefly? So when you had brought up, you know, that, that that utilities and food costs, those are the things that are perhaps more pronounced than they were uh, back to 2017, which would make sense. You know, those are just everything for everyone that way. For the health endowment, the Community Health Element—they do a food access analysis. Um, within your question, did it break it down into food access or food cost, or is it kind of merged together?
2: It—we just have um, cost of and access to food. We we kept them combined as a category, and um, just over a third of our sample identified food as a as a basic need. That's a challenge.
3: I think there's generally good access. It doesn't matter if you have 100% access. If you can't afford it, what is in the store, it's just the chicken or the egg, you know, do not have access to food because it's too much or?
2: Kind of something that we've seen employment also has jumped a little bit in terms of the overall ranking of categories. And the 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 largest concern under employment is insufficient wages um, for standard of living. So it, we, we're kind of like seeing this unifying thread um, throughout, um, throughout a lot of the basic concerns that people have
0: right
1: and and we noticed that in lincoln particularly if you look across the state of nebraska this is maybe not true but in lincoln um we have a higher percentage of women and fam in our community that are educated college and beyond so there's a high education rate what's happening though and consistently what we see are women who are underemployed. These are women who have degrees, women who are capable of doing uh, really some important work but they struggle to find jobs within that. So again, we're seeing a disconnect in Lincoln in the sense that people are saying, oh, unemployment is so low. The problem with that is that many people that we talk to are saying I'm working and sometimes I'm working two and three jobs But I'm capable of doing much more than that. I'm capable of doing skilled work that I'm not being able to access. And so we are having a disconnect between education level and the jobs that people are being able to get.
2: Yeah, 20% of our survey says that there is a lack of opportunities commensurate to their education level. And um, there have been a handful who have mentioned like, I'm currently employed part time, I would like to be full time, but I'm not finding access to those opportunities. And In 2021, we conducted a mini survey um, about, primarily focused on pandemic related issues. So we were asking specifically about how has your work changed? How has your family experiences changed and things like that? One of the things that happened nationally was that women were far more likely to reduce their hours or to drop out of the labor market entirely if they had school-aged children um, during the pandemic. And we're seeing glimpses of that in this survey that, again, like Kathy said, we um, the Lincoln community, we, we tend to have a higher level of education among women than um, the national average, but then even compared to the state, and that there continues to be this tension where it, you, you have these qualifications to get, you know, jobs that might pay better, but if there isn't sufficient childcare opportunities for you, or if you're not able to balance that work-life need, that that's gonna make um, it far more difficult for you to feel like your employment is um, at match with your with your skills.
3: We have hit on maybe two to four things. Housing, family, right talk about jobs, kind of some place about education. I'm sure there's pieces in there uh, DV domestic violence, and yes. you know, and how women feel right. about how, we, how yes, that right. uh, changes over time. So I also do our uh, analysis of impediments to fair housing uh, survey, and we ask about discrimination. Just briefly before we get into our uh, time near the end, uh, two things: Is was there anything that stood out in terms of discrimination? Because sometimes that's just well, what people hold on to. Like, like where can I find solutions?
2: We we don't I now that I'm looking at the both the category for discrimination and for housing under housing I don't have a we don't have a measure yet of like experience discrimination or anything like that so that's something that we would take something like this bring it up to the Commission and say is this a category we need to add into housing or how can we tap into and see like is this something that that women are experiencing that we can then um do advocacy for in um uh, among the different policymakers um, that we're in connection with. But under that category of discrimination, the the two areas that are most highlighted by our respondents are sexism, about a third of our, our respondents identify sexism as being a problem, and then ageism, about 20% of our, of our sample is saying that ageism is a problem that they're experiencing. And within the other, like, would you like to provide more detail, we're seeing that young women are identifying ageism as something that's impeding them in the workforce, but so are older women. So it's kind of like this this experience that at regardless of the age that women are at, they're saying ageism is something that I'm experiencing, which I don't know that we can necessarily tease apart from sexism as well. Yeah. Sure. And
1: in, within the housing too, we, um, we are very close to the Commission on Human Rights. And they really deal a lot with housing discrimination. And so we share our information with the Commission on Human Rights. They share their information with us. So there is a sort of a relationship there that we can draw on their information, they can draw on ours. And we really rely on that kind of com- com- um, camaraderie.
3: So unfortunately, it's gone so fast. Let's just end with when do we think their final report will be done? And where can they find it? And Lynn, will take us out after
2: that. Uh, We're hoping to have data collection completed in September, so that way we have those uh, remaining fall months to get the executive summary completed, so that way um, in the spring we can start doing all of our reports to the City Council, to the County Commission, um, and uh, do kind of our whatever we call it happy like not not the press tour but there's like a <laughs> <laughs> right we do go
1: out we take our dog and pony show out and talk to people but also um we want to have it ready before the legislative session because the women's foundation not the commission but the women's foundation does use a lot of the statistics when they're uh, contacting legislators and things like that so the commission of course, does not do that, but the Women's Foundation will use that information to try to get policymakers to, you know, look at policies that would definitely affect positively women and um, and FOM in our community. We really appreciate <clears throat> this opportunity, and we would really encourage all of your listeners to take the survey at www.lincolnwomen.org that's our website and you can also learn more about us and what we do and contact us our email is lincolnwomen at gmail.com
0: well kathy ermacher lindy christensen nader thank you both so much for coming on the show and we hope to hear back uh, hear from you again in the future and uh, so So uh, again, we appreciate it. Thank you. And to our listeners, uh, thanks for spending another 30 minutes with uh, Kurt and me here on the show. And we'll see you next week.